the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. I am Emily. I'm sitting here in front of my husband, Jim Anger, who's been fiddling with papers. <laughs> People have called me a fiddler of papers. Really? Not really. Like you, I, you don't, you're, yeah, you are not a paper, paper, actually, well, hmm. you're, you're a complicated person when it comes to I, paper. I have a system. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's explain that system just as you started your sermon with a genealogy talking through <laughs> lists and lists and lists of names. Yes. Well, I'll say this: my my medium of choice for a sermon writing is the four by six index card. I probably oh yes, yes it is. Does anyone else? Does anyone else in like index cards in over the years? pastoral like did did you catch that from seminary? Is that what they told you to do? No, no, it's just just personal, just personal. Is system. that what like from speech classes in college? Yeah, so speech and debate, you use. Index cards, note cards, and that was also my system of just paper writing in college. What happens so if over. what happens if like post the note card is obsolete and like they stop selling them? I feel like that's a possibility. I'm not sure who else uses yeah. them. What else? What other function besides like maybe making note cards for, uh, yeah, for like memorizing Spanish vocabulary? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say that if index cards become obsolete then so will i i'll just stop communicating you did, you did preach on an ipad for a little bit i did until one of our children <laughs> dropped it and that that was the end of that i i feel better going back to analog though i the ipad had some advantages but then on the other hand you, you have to worry about where it is all the time uh-huh. and you can't leave it in some corner of the church in the same way so uh-huh. yeah i just use paper now <laughs> fly in fly in light I feel Leave like no that's, trace behind. That's the heart of this podcast, and so we can just end now. <laughs> <laughs> Fly in light. Okay, maybe not. So the the point of this podcast is not necessarily to dig into the technicalities of how Jim is preparing the sermons. Kitchen. Although I think that's part of it. I think not I, unrelated. You know, there there is some of some of that, uh, but yeah. we're here to try to talk behind the scenes and get a little bit more insight into the sermon from this past Sunday mm-hmm. what was going on as you were um, cooking it up so yes <laughs> let's let's jump into here we are figuring out uh, what's been going on call it stormy Monday it is a Tuesday cloudy Tuesday uh, still cold and what's Dreary. Been going on what this past week what's been going on as you started to think about this sermon hmm so I think I'm not alone in the long COVID winter continuing. So in some ways I I'm past it. I feel the I'm over it. I feel a little bit as it looks outside right now, just kind of gray and dreary. Can we stop talking about it? And have been have been pondering have been pondering the church in winter. So it feels like in late, late, late postmodern world that we're living in right now. The church is going to look different decades from now. I'm not exactly sure how, but that's what I've been pondering, whether it's been reading, listening to podcasts, 
uh, just thinking about what, what might the church look like 25 or 50 years from now, and then how can we get from point A to point B? I've been pondering that too. I feel like I feel like oh, just our oldest turning 18, I feel like that put us somewhere into this category of firmly, like very, very, very firmly in a different generation. Yeah. And I do feel old. I, I Or I do feel like we're in a place where you can look back and say things are so different yeah. than when we grew up. And so, yeah, I feel that. And I feel like everyone feels that because of COVID, because it's just this momentous, momentous shift or whatever. Right. But I am tired of talking about it. And for you, how do you, so let's talk, I feel like we've talked about this every mm-hmm. week for the last like six months. Okay. I don't know. But what, what specific things are you, are you excited to do as you continue in this long winter? <laughs> in, in, Give me something new. Right. Well, to go back to to something old, one of the things that I've been <laughs> been been recognizing M is as we do our date coffees or date lunches or or date nights to check in. As I meet regularly with Eric Mitchell, we usually do prayer requests every other week. Uh, different conversations I have with friends, accountability partners. I think part of being in middle age is that a lot of my prayer requests look the same from from week to week and and month to month and things change more slowly as opposed to a teenager and a 20 something person change it up dude when (laughs) sure but it's this it's the same (laughs) stuff as as opposed to somebody who's younger that everything's different week to week to week things things are kind of the the same and what i've been thinking about is how how do we invest the time that we have left. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Stop it! Stop. With 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 the remaining time, how do we how do we focus? And moving towards agricultural images of <laughs> sowing and plowing. I'm I'm not saying that I want to return to the land to get back to my farming roots, but what what am I sowing? What am I what am I planting? What what fruit may be born? decades decades Guys, his, from now his grandparents so, were farmers and true. extended relatives and you have the scottish like farm history scottish this farm history. is like this is old person talk <laughs> oh my gosh no wonder our kids won't talk to us yeah yeah when 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 we moved here to plant liberty collingswood i feel like i could fake it a little bit as a younger adult but now that ship has very squarely sailed and i'm not in that not in that phase anymore. So okay. yeah, that that's 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 what I've been thinking about, baby. Sorry okay. that it's not. So I, yeah, I know how you like only well, happy all the time. So I mean, I'm one of the questions is, you. what are you excited to see God do with this message? So yeah, how are you keeping it fresh? What's exciting to you about, um, about what as you approached the podium this Sunday? Yeah. So genealogy is always exciting. <laughs> that's the. <laughs> That's the main thing. Everybody likes a good genealogy. Am I right? Is and this Sun Studios? Are we moving to Sun no, Studios? Let's go, let's go to Sun oh Studios. Gosh. A little presence of the Lord. As as I've been thinking longer term, it was providentially timed that we are in Genesis chapter 5, or where this past week, where it's generation after generation after generation after generation after generation, focusing my thoughts about 
where is all of this going? So wanting people to take a longer view via this genealogy, both as far as what they're doing and what's ahead. And then I guess we'll go into this part a little bit more with the muddying the waters with with damage that we may have engaged with or caused along the way too. So thinking thinking long term, and I was excited. I think there is a little bit of a pushback here where and this is not an original thought by me, but if if social media news cycle conditions us towards what's going on right now, right now, right now, right now, I think one of the opportunities that we have as followers of Jesus is to stretch out our perspectives before and behind. So I was excited going into this text of genealogies to stretch out perspective right. before I, and behind. Yeah, and you did comment, um, you made a good comment, the, um, the very meta saying... Um, Jim is going to read every single verse. I'm going to jump out of the stained glass windows, <laughs> like <laughs> right. predicting the people's thoughts. I, I do kind of wonder, like, what percentage of people were actually thinking that? I know that in the <laughs> anger family, there were probably breaking 50 percent. Yeah. If not more. <laughs> yeah. So so as as the world slowly reopens, it's been fun getting more first timers to church on a regular basis. We had some first timers again this past week. If you're listening to the podcast, first timers this week, I want you to know that we do genealogies every week at Liberty Church <laughs> Collingswood. That's what the sermon series is. Biblical genealogy. The stained glass windows, like they, how much they cost. A lot. But, yeah. The, and then we have like anger children just leaving. <laughs> yeah, we have we have bonus content there. There there is a structure somewhere in the world that's labeled anger chapel that has stained glass <laughs> on it. So I actually do have some idea. About the cost of uh, of stained glass, Helen Wolves. Let me know. Okay, but I I do appreciate the meta acknowledgement that a genealogy is difficult, and um, mm. I understand you're discussing the um, the concept that actually thinking through generations is is good and healthy for us, and um, putting ourselves back into the original audience is interesting too. Yeah, yeah. So with with Genesis chapter five, the genealogy, I made the analogy midway through the sermon that even though this seems really really boring for for us treat it like a montage where where you're celebrating all of these things that that have come before and I do think that for original audiences at least a little bit more when we're going through a passage like this we're we're cheering so these are the like this is the equivalent of the championship banners on the rafters of the the Wells Fargo Center recalling. Oh, I was. All of I the, thought you were about to say the St. Martin's High School. Oh, <laughs> the original <laughs> shout out right now. Yeah, well, those glory days. <laughs> There's some stories there, but no, there from from my high school basketball days. Unfortunately, there is no championship banner hung. Oh, only, shocking! Only dirty knee pads of <laughs> crushed dreams. The genealogies here going from Adam and Eve's line, Seth, up until Noah, and whether it's Genesis chapter 5 or the first part of Genesis 6 that we'll be looking at this coming Sunday, um, these are the bridge, this is the bridge material that gets us from Adam to Noah. And I think I mentioned when we were reading, and I was preaching from the genealogy at the beginning of Matthew's gospel in December. So, just a couple of months, two genealogies. Look, look at us. We're, we're, we're taking these parts of the scripture seriously. When you read genealogies, part of what you want to do 
for interpretation is looking at the seams, S-E-A-M-S, -E to see what's out of place, because a lot of the time there's the standard formula for a genealogy, but then things that jump out at you that, that don't follow the pattern. So the couple of things are kind of at the beginning and the end where you have all of these callbacks to God creating Adam and Eve in his own image, but then that image persists. When Adam had lived 130 years, this is Genesis 5.3, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image. That's the same words again, and named him Seth. So there does seem to be an emphatic point being made in Genesis chapter 5 that the image of God persists throughout the fall, which is actually really good news to us. And then there were the seams later on with Enoch walked with God and he was not mm -hmm. for God took him. So, so those were the things that, that, that jumped out at me. The, the, the image of God. Yeah, we all have, we all have dignity. We all have personhood. We, we all have value. It's, it's the basis for <laughs> human rights in the world. Mm -hmm. Not, not just abstractly, but historically the, the crusade around the world for human rights came out of the Duke judeo-christian story where hey it's not just our own little tribe but it's but but it's everybody so wanting to wanting to hit that and and not not gloss over it too quickly the trying to think of other stuff from the text the the lifespan stuff which is yeah is which, that muddying the waters which though? is really really wrong say. well uh, that's presence of the lord we're talking about how to interpret the scriptures here yeah so these are the longest lifespans <laughs> that you're going to get in, in all of the scriptures. And I, I hope I wasn't too dismissive of, uh, of, of these lifespans. I did end up saying that we have to take them on faith uh, because it's, it's hard to get there from a purely rational perspective. The, the one ameliorating observation that I wanted to say was that even for ancient readers, these lifespans were crazy long. So mm -hmm. yeah, what's your uh, what's your interpretation? Well, of... I I was not gonna answer that. I was gonna ask <laughs> you like, what are the what are the theologians, the the Bible nerds saying about it? Well, there there is a comparison of genealogies from other ancient Near Eastern sources with ancient kings and families. Those genealogies, the ages of the kings are in the thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So one thing that you can do to kind of bring this back onto the reservation of believability more is to say that with cross comparisons of these other sources, those ages are clearly mythological. Mm -hmm. uh, but here there's at least more commonality between these age spans and, and what we're able to experience. But at the end of the day, there is you can try to approach how to make sense of these age spans. I, in my opinion, I, I think it's hard to get all the way there just on the basis of rationality. This is where faith steps in, where we take this as the word of God and seek to be obedient to it, which I don't mean in a dismissive way mm -hmm. to you or to, to, to me or to any of our listeners. Uh, but the theological upshot is these ages are meant to communicate that God's blessing persists after the fall as well, because old age is associated with God's favor and and God's blessing. Okay. So that that's as good as I can do. Also, if we want to do some Bible nerd stuff, 
there's some discussion too with Enoch. The days of Enoch mm-hmm. were 365 years, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's that's the same Are as they a calendar symbolic? year, right? Right. So, so is it possible that there's some symbolism there? Potentially so. Uh, symbolism and literal truth aren't in opposition with one another, principally. But also interesting where Enoch is highlighted as the one who's what not walks taken. With God right. He, no he, he doesn't die. At, and we have some roots at 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. I remember their their old famous preacher in the 20th century, James Boyce, he preached on this passage. And when he said, thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years, Enoch walked with God. This wasn't a casual stroll. And that was a whole joke for 365 years. Preacher humor your, is, is Yeah, the your best. imitation of James Boyce. I used to have a better voice. Yeah, I, I was going to oh, say, man. that lick, has, you've been out of practice, yeah, that was, dude. That was, that was more more Louis Armstrong than James Boyce, but probably not good Louis either. <laughs> anyway, so so you do have the 365. So And then, thus all the days of Lamech, verse 31, were 777 years. Another potential for symbolism there. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven, number of completeness in the scriptures, seven and seven and seven. Right. And then also we have the seven and 77 fold from the previous chapter. So, so you're saying knows, those are like details. clues that possibly the numbers listed are more... Um, they're not more. They're not literal. They're more um, narrative in some kind of strange way that we don't understand right now. Potentially, I I don't want to say that we shouldn't take these years literally, but there are additional layers based on the numbers themselves of potential symbolism on top of it. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, I can ask Jesus about it in heaven. <laughs> Got it. Okay, can we move to muddying the waters now? The... <laughs> yes. Why am I even? Why am I even here? <laughs> I I agreed with you. Let's do it. Um, I I still don't understand why the numerology thing isn't, or the number of years isn't, the dif- a difficult thing to tackle as you're constructing the sermon. But um, <laughs> these. <laughs> Categories are it's fluid. just old this hat, is, whatever. This is a category fluid podcast. <laughs> um, so yeah, so what did you find? What did you find interesting about this particular passage and this constructing this particular sermon? So then, context-wise, bringing into it, and I think this is something that is not only a concern germane to Christians, but as we see generation to generation to generation to generation in Genesis chapter five, introduced at the beginning of the sermon, what do we do with damage? And long-term big mistakes, not not just the not just the little ones, and then trying trying to articulate that for all of the strangeness of a passage like this. Right? How did God giving unilateral blessing? Yeah, backing up a little bit. Like, how did you get to damage and big mistakes as a theme? Like, where did you get the did you get that from the passage? Like how, just describe that process. I, I did not get it from the passage. So think of think of a sermon text itself as one half of two puzzle pieces that interlock together. So sometimes when I try to introduce a fallen condition focus to to a sermon, how does this affect us? This passage is fallen human beings. So, sometimes that fallen condition is generated from within the text itself. Uh, that was not the case this week. Instead, I treated the sermon text as one part of two puzzle pieces that interlock and then thought about what can I come 
context-wise to bring to this sermon that would yet match the contours of this passage. So, generation. And you were thinking about all the mistakes all the you've mistakes made in I've our made. marriage, <laughs> or, in or part, otherwise. In, in part, yes. Um, so. Is that be- mean because because you've made a big mistake recently that you're feeling guilty about or you want to talk to me about? <laughs> I've been saving it for this moment. <laughs> uh, so the, the, the pieces on the, or the contour on the sermon text side was importance of family and long-term generation to generation. That gave me the seed of the idea when we in our own lives think about long-term stuff, think about family very often we think about damage Mm -hmm. and whether it's damage caused by us or the story of family for us way too often is a story of of generational sin and and harm so wanted to use that as the as the emotional hook to draw people into a sermon text that otherwise is not really super interesting on on the surface and i did get good feedback so we don't have any Colin Wolves that came to us via postsundayblues at gmail.com. But I did get a number of texts and emails this week. So more sermon feedback than usual. Positive sermon feedback from a, from a, a genealogy mm-hmm. text yep. that, that I think came, came personally not to Post Sunday Blues because more personal, but talking about how in various ways different folks were saying, I was thinking about some of the damage either perpetrated upon me or, or that I had mm. my hand in, in causing mm-hmm. with with my own family situations over the years. So mm. wa- weighty issues, I think. Yeah. But then in Genesis chapter 5, the weightiness of generations is met by the weight of the grace of God yeah. in the midst of these things too. So yeah, yeah that's how I got to that's the big stuff. That's how I got to the damage part. Okay. I see it. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, the 16-year-old in our family really doesn't like that voice you do, the post-Sunday blues, the, what you just did. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, he just told you like a couple of days ago at dinner. You weren't listening? Oh, no. I, I, th- I thought you meant he said, Not he, that he said something during the no, sermon you were No, you were like making that voice at dinner, and right. he was like, that, stop yep. doing that. Yep. Yeah. So, generational differences that <laughs> generational. you're not addressing. <laughs> you're just continuing on. I am large and I contain comedic multitudes but within limits. Big mistakes. <laughs> I contain comedic ponds, not oceans. Okay. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so we have that, um, or sorry, I cut you off. Did no, you I was just going to say more? other contexts, um, other things that you're trying to address. Yeah, there's there's the, the human rights stuff again, which to me it's significant to remind people that if Christianity is contexted as toxic right now, mm-hmm. that a lot of the things that we take take for granted as human goods in the world actually come from from this source. Mm-hmm. So, hospitals, orphanages come from come come from Christianity. You didn't right. really have those, and and to this day, in various parts of the world, that the orphanages and the hospitals were originally started by by missionaries and, right. and mission work of of various kinds. So, so I do think that's a pressure point for secularity. And I, I know that there are very smart people that can give sophisticated arguments to, to the contrary. And in a sermon, you can't give a sermon is a half an hour at the popular level, not large books and treatises and that sort of thing. 
but but I do think that the Christian story gives a better basis for human rights and human dignity mm-hmm. than than the secular story can come up with. So so wanted to wanted to press on that a little bit, and then also thinking about how God within God's family by way of covenant is at work to bless long term. Apart from those parameters, we find ourselves simply saying stuff like everything's going to be okay or everything happens for a reason. And right. I think strictly speaking, when our secular friends may say something like that, there, 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 there's a recognition at a deeper level that this is a sentiment that might not necessarily mm-hmm. carry, the, carry the full weight of truth. But then on the other hand, everything's going to be okay. Everything happens for a reason. If you have no reason to say that, yeah. <laughs> why... Why you're you're talking yourself into a hope that might not actually be there? Right. It that's a heavy um, reality TV dating show trope, <laughs> or trope is the wrong to, word. Comment. Yeah. To, or when? I just feel like everything happens your, for a reason. At what point like, in your trashy reality binge watching? Sorry to criticize. I mean, it's it. the same it's, as it's the not like trash. It's, it's very <laughs> edifying. But when when is everything happens for a reason dropped in one of those shows? Oh, it's it's kind of at all times, but often it's when something terrible goes wrong, and like usually it's because somebody is stupid or like like yeah. mean or I don't know. But right. then the like justification or the uh, the way that you get out of feeling bad about it is by saying everything happens for a reason. That's yes. why I got kicked off, even though the person totally misunderstood me and uh, this other. Yeah. What What's the latest reality dating show? That you've right now, yeah. A Love is Blind on Netflix. Right. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that's worth double clicking on. Less Less Love is Blind, but 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 more at point at pain points and points where things don't go our way. If those are the points at which we revert to saying something like everything happens for a reason, in my opinion at least, that's the image of God barking, uh, even yeah. for people that don't believe in God, where mm-hmm. where there is this innate human intuition that when hard things happen, we're, we're grasping for hope. Yeah, we're grasping easier. for a framework where where whatever loss that we incur just then is not final. I mean, there is a counter argument secularly that would say that those people, that's why religion is false also, yeah. that we're all grasping for, fulfillment. for hope. Sure. So that's why we're, we're placing our hope in God. But yeah, the reality TV, like Big Brother, Celebrity Big Brother's on right now. So say someone gets voted out for unjust reasons, like they're misunderstood or lied about or whatever. Mm-hmm. They come across in interviews and they're they are saying well everything happens for a reason so um (laughs) that's i I actually have not been watching but i've been reading about it which is probably just as bad but (laughs) 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 i don't even know these celebrities they're like d-list celebrities internet famous just like us baby so (laughs) (laughs) are we though (laughs) okay so yeah so you're trying to address a kind of complicated topic but but people do have these like innate or maybe not innate but like cultural feelings that things happen for a reason or um human rights are real and there is a question of like well where do those inclinations come from there those are those are impulses and intuitions worth interrogating and pulling at those threads and following to see where they go i think they they lead back to god a couple more things am on my side from muddying the waters and, and I did get some some emails and feedback about this too in the second half of the sermon, the importance of family. Mm-hmm. I, I did try to balance it with saying, hey, 
sometimes churches can emphasize family at the expense and cost of people that that, that don't fit at mm-hmm. least presently into those models. Yep. Wanted to say a both and. So if you don't fit the church as the body of Christ is something that's beautiful, important, precious, not just to people that don't otherwise have families, but mm-hmm. but but for everybody. But then also wanting to say, and this is a line that I use in my own personal conversations with people in quote unquote counseling where Something like we can't fix our Did parents. You say "quote unquote" counseling <laughs> because I'm not a professional. You, you don't have a counseling degree, so <laughs> it's a, true. He's, he right? It. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to talk about that at the beginning of the sermon this oh, week. Oh, the how, fact that how, like how people use you as a counselor, <laughs> it's like really. Well, people just have to, to listen to to what I say. Yeah, the 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 good news is that because I'm not a counselor. People don't take my advice seriously, but the bad news is because I'm not a counselor. People don't take my advice seriously. The written conversations with people can't fix our parents, and even if we carry ongoing wounds related to our upbringing or our parents, mm-hmm. God can still work within lines of redemptive arcs if we try not to commit the sins of our fathers and mothers sure. with, with our own kids. So thinking about redemption and healing generationally in, in that way. Yeah. And then at a broader level, not, not phoning it in when it comes to our family, whether a mom or a dad, husband or a wife, child. Take these things seriously, everybody. And as one of the – being a pastor is not a harder job than anybody else, but one of the things that, that Eric and I talk about – at at our staff meeting is we get to be on the front row of a lot of successes where God does amazing things in the lives of people. But then we also are at the front row of a lot of pain and a lot mm-hmm. of damage. And for so many families that fall apart, nobody planned on being there, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's more neglect and laziness where we, we we get lazy with our family relationships don't take them seriously and then find everything crumbling sure which is which is tough so let's let let's take this seriously but then also you know if 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 there's even failed marriages in people's past you can't fix those failed marriages but whether whether living living singly with redemptive hope or with something like a future marriage you can find your own measure of healing and redemption not through that previous marriage but perhaps through a new one yeah yeah so i so when the kids complain to me about our parenting i can just say kids you can't fix your parents (laughs) you can't fix your parents kids that's true (laughs) oh wait i'm not just i i think i'm probably (laughs) undercutting or take this seriously oh it's it's fine and (laughs) it, it has been a a week and weekend of family drama with kids children you can't household. fix your parents right. why don't you go get adopted by someone but i sure would love to fix our kids but that's a <laughs> that's a different <laughs> podcast and, and 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 then finally um uh walk with walk with god uh, i i didn't have a ton of time at the end of the sermon it, it was long service in general and whenever there's a long sermon text it automatically adds time right. to the even if it's a time, genealogy time to the sermon right i thought about cutting it but i did not <laughs> And so third way walk and worldview, in, in some ways, this sermon was more about worldview than walk, even mm-hmm. though perhaps ironically, Enoch walked with God in mm-hmm. that specific language here. The, the ministry of Liberty Callingswood is multifaceted. So it's not just sermons. 
let me put out another plug for for our small groups and home meetings where if a sermon like this is a lot of heady stuff and worldview although hopefully with some emotional heft and weight as well the the home meetings where we're talking about practices of presence that's where we walk with god (laughs) i just i just (laughs) smashed a fly that was buzzing well, I'll have to go back and see. So maybe you heard a buzzing horse fly. Oh, my gosh. That was gross. And, it was like dead on your and, sweater and fell off. And the microphone. I just killed it. I just killed it. I'm so grossed so, out right now. No. Be, be <laughs> impressed and, and somewhat attracted to my to, to my, to my masculine protective protection of my family. That, yeah, that was, that was pretty gross. So. These practices of presence. <laughs> you need to cut I'm that. not going to cut this out. The walking with God, gathered worship, daily office, Sabbath keeping, fasting and feasting, mm-hmm. missional living, gospel friendship, stewardship and generosity, service and generosity. Uh, these are ways that we actually walk with God, mm-hmm. and part of part of God's working in our healing is is that that we're walking with him and staying present and and, and close to him uh, and at the end of the day grace is unilateral and i tried to i guess there was a lot going on in the sermon talked a little bit about grace and free will god's sovereignty and, and our agency how there is a blessed mystery within christianity where ultimately our our salvation is a gift of god from first to last but in a subsidiary level we're, we're partners with the grace of god as we seek grace to follow, but it's not about us; it's about God. So He who began a good work in us will will complete it. It's a and lot of muddy God waters, in us, dude. Both to will to work according to His <laughs> good pleasure. I'm done. No more mudding the waters. Uh, the, the waters are the, now clear. Little, that was a lot, dude. Like a do you think like the silver third, bullet, third world the walk mountains. and way? Like I third world uh, walk and worldview. Yeah, please. I appreciate Thank it. You. A concept. I appreciate it conceptually. Like it. it it's true. Like I, you feel convicted about wanting to walk in a different way than other people, but it does sound like kind of cultish. <laughs> it's a fine line. <laughs> Third way. <laughs> well, um, well, welcome to the branch liberty. Yeah, bar band cover tunes, specific references um, that you may be using that you're referencing. I, I think that you had an unintentional ref or. Um, reference oh, that me. i could i just kept on <laughs> yeah what you got but like I'm, the bless this mess which is just a southern oh, yeah, it's a cliche, I think it's right. a southern cliche or yeah. whatever but it was the recent uh book title of uh a bachelorette named hannah brown oh, really? who like who like Woo-hoo! has been on a book tour about it and she's um she's messy <laughs> <laughs> I just her book I mean, like is named pe- Bless like This pe- Mess. Pe- messy or like messy emotionally? Uh, emotionally mess. Like, she was okay. crying all the time. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and making really dumb mistakes and yep. had a lot of errors okay. in judgment. <laughs> kind of constantly. Huh. I, I, I couldn't. She's a listener. Yeah. Every time I was just like, I can't <laughs> deal with the word Bless This Mess. Bless This Mess. Did you hear that growing up? Or did no. you did you see it on like where was it a southern like Louisiana Louisiana thing like a Christianity sure like an Etsy thing where like it's it's on someone's frame and like yeah it's, it's like a it's like a crochet yeah crochet thing on it, like the like the framed crochet like the embroidered 
I mean, that can be a thing. I I don't think, you know, now it's like calligraphy on a pillow. (laughs) It's like the hand-drawn lettering that Jesse and Sarah love doing. Yeah. (laughs) You don't know how to respond to me right now. (laughs) I figure if I just stop talking. (laughs) Anyway. Okay, that was the cover, that was the cover tune. I Bless heard this mess. That's right. Um, I got nothing else. Didn't have a ton. Zadie Smith once again. Mm-hmm. I was at Labyrinth Bookstore in Princeton yesterday afternoon. Bought what I think is my final up to this point. There is one Zadie Smith novel that I haven't read yet, but I bought it yesterday. So she's talking about how families are places of damage. Mm-hmm. Wanted to bring that up when we talk about the importance of family. So there was that. There was your Super Bowl montage comment. The Super Bowl montage comment. Rocky. I felt it unaccessible. Inaccessible. The well, Rocky is accessible. That's your favorite. Also inaccessible. I have watched. I don't. I'm not opposed to it. Yeah, I mean that's progress. (laughs) (laughs) As opposed to Super Bowl montages. I never watched Apollo Creed though. The Creed. The. Oh, is it just called Creed? Well, the the reboot with Michael B. Jordan is is called Creed. Apollo Creed was his father. Oh, was that the name of a movie? No, he was killed at the beginning of. Is that a Rock- spoiler? <laughs> at the beginning <laughs> of Rocky Four by Ivan Drago. So I said, when I go on a run, I start like Rocky, but and like Apollo in Rocky Four. It's all becoming clear. Like that. The so so it's nice Rocky reference. I always enjoyed being able to pull out my Forrest Gump. When oh I, my gosh, I, that was terrible. It was great. It was really and terrible. And then okay, we agree. And then also, I I enjoyed the uh, <laughs> the dad bod cosplay, <laughs> you live which in is that every which day. is every day of my life. Every day, it's great. And that is that is all I had. There was an N.T. Wright quote about church that I cut for time at the end of the sermon. It was in the reflections quote page of the worship folder. Sorry, I didn't get to it. It was already a lot. Happens sometimes, and that's that's what I got. Bar band cover tunes. I don't, yeah. It was fun. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> Guitar Slim Pickens, any leftover story behind the sermon? You the, had, I mean, it sounds like you cut, you were cutting an empty right, but I'm sure since your sermon was already so expansive, there were things that you cut. Yeah, a couple, a couple of quick cuts. There was. I had already been talking about a lot about theology. I, there was a little bit about how covenant is the structure of God's promise generationally, but I was already talking yeah, about grace that's... and free will, and and it it, it felt like there there's enough theology. So so there is a digression about covenant theology that that I didn't get to put in. Although I think I mentioned it in the prayer that I gave for the carols later in the service. But so it, there's a callback at, at least in my mind. And then also one thing about about human rights, the if if you look at confessions of the Reformation and post Reformation period, as far as I know, those are the first discussions about human personhood. I think in the perhaps in the world, maybe there are antecedents with within Christendom or otherwise. I haven't seen them personally. Of the image of God, human value, personhood vis-a-vis the disabled, um, and. It's pretty striking. There are a couple different points in really, really old confessions that don't have reputations for being warm, caring, and compassionate mm-hmm. documents. But 
because the image of God is taken seriously, there's there's a pretty striking and stirring declaration that 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 people who mentally impaired, physically impaired, they still as well are made made in the image of made in the image of God, which which stands in stark contrast for the eugenics program of Nazi Germany and, mm-hmm. and, and plenty of other cases. But the the human rights discussions of the 20th century here in here in the West and around the world are predated by centuries with discussions of disability in the 1500s and 1600s in in the church. Yeah. Good stuff, Jude. Thanks. Uh, you said you had Howlin' Wolves. Um, you had some personal feedback, but anything else that from those personal comments? No, nothing that I should share. Any comments about your hair? Uh, I... I did get a couple comments on Sunday about, hey, you're going to get a haircut <laughs> at some point, right? And I was like, we'll see. I don't know. It's a challenge. Any other comments about your Forrest Gump impression? Uh, I got no no comments about yeah. the, the Forrest Gump. Do you think the next generation has seen Forrest Gump? Like That is an interesting question about what what movies continue to have cultural relevance and cachet versus ones that don't so that that's been mentioned so avatar was just taken overtaken by is it spider was was a new spider-man movie the highest grossing of all time the people talk about how avatar like conquered the box office i i've watched it and i still don't understand that i mean i don't don't mind it i I don't know if forrest gump has been avatared where it was hugely important at the time but then has Mm -hmm. faded away or if it's or if it's Hmm. stayed robust in terms of its important lasting impact i'm not sure (laughs) i'm not (laughs) a smart movie critic But I know what water cooler talk is. Okay. Um, oh, you didn't get permission. I wrote this. You didn't get permission to talk about our marriage. <laughs> Did I? I thought about it, but then I decided I didn't need I it. I just was, it was, you didn't need it. But I'm just saying, like, I felt like Would the last time you got or? permission was funny. But I actually you did need permission for that. But, like, sometimes you ask permission for me for, like, the most random things. And then oh. this one was, like... I was throwing myself under the bus as it really. I know to... it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. So, so you're welcome. Affirmed all the times I've trash talked you. Well, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, nervous, nervous, nervous. Silence. <laughs> I think that's all. I feel like I ha- or I had a thought and then it's gone. So. Next time I'll have to write. Oh, I know the it, there was Forrest Gump and Tom Hanks, and I was gonna say, did I ever tell you about the Tom Hanks podcast I'm listening to? No, called, it's not Tom Hanks, but it's called. I did. I think I did it's mention called it. Called old white guy. No, it's called uh, Dead Eyes, and it's by somebody who was um, who Tom Hanks fired after after he was uh, cast oh, for you've told me about this one, yeah. Brothers, but then. Right. Uh, Tom Hanks wanted a second look at him because he wasn't the one casting and mm-hmm. said that he had dead eyes and like just nixed him from the program and anyways it's interesting fun <laughs> that's what I listen to <laughs> Holland Wolves I don't know why you're here but no I'm just kidding um, I'm glad you're here I'm sure my entertaining podcasts and and um, reality TV watching Give the people I don't know. <laughs> have, 
have some impact on to how seriously I take this podcast. But I'm not going to say anything for the rest of this podcast. Okay. Uh, we do like your feedback. Um, I do treat this seriously. I do. I do value uh, going deeper with these topics and hearing what my husband has to say. I do. I do love and respect my husband. <laughs> with that, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post-Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. What? <laughs> what is? Why do you not throw that away? It's broken.